Hey there, podcast listeners, and welcome to this week's Physics Central podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. Physicists all over the world are looking for the universe's missing mass, dark matter. Catherine Fries, an astrophysicist at the University of Michigan, is one of them. And after years on the hunt, she may have also helped solve another lingering mystery, one surrounding the origin of supermassive black holes. She recently wrote the book, The Cosmic Cocktail, Three Parts Dark Matter. It's a book about her life as a scientist delving into one of the oldest mysteries in astrophysics. Detailed measurements of galaxies in the sky show that there should be more matter out in the universe than we can see. A lot more. Estimates indicate that nearly two-thirds of the matter in the universe is made up of something invisible. So the, the dark matter problem dates is, is now 80 years old. It's one of the longest unsolved problems in all of modern science. It's a really huge one. What is the bulk of the ma- matter in the universe? And we don't, we don't have the answer, but we think we're almost there. That's why I wrote the book, because we, I th- we, we think we're on the verge of discovering and answering this, this 80-year-old problem. Over the years, there have been a lot of false starts and theories that didn't quite work out. The, the earliest types of dark matter candidates that people thought about were rocks or dust or snowballs of hydrogen, but all of those got ruled out right away because they would have signatures, x-rays or whatever, something coming off of them that would, that would then we don't see that. So then the next best bet was, well, what if it is faint stars? What if it's just dark in the sense that we don't have strong enough telescopes to find it yet? They would be in a category called machos, massive compact halo objects. Seem plausible? They could be really small, faint stars, or white dwarfs, the cooler remnants of medium-sized stars like our sun. If we looked at a variety of different data sets and a variety of different theoretical arguments, and we argued that the faint stars could be at most 3% of the content of, 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 the, of, a ga- of our galaxy, and that in the end, white dwarfs could be maybe 15% of, the, of our galaxy, but the rest really couldn't. It had to be something else. Physicists started experimenting with new ideas for an altogether different form of matter, this idea of WIMPs. The weakly interacting massive particles, and of, of the various exotic candidates for dark matter, these are the ones that, that I consider by far the most promising. I think most people do. So I like to make the joke that I, that I, uh, I used to work on machos, and now I work on WIMPs. The idea is that WIMPs are a whole new class of matter that doesn't interact with light, so they're invisible, but they do gravitationally, so we can see their pull on regular matter. The idea's been around for a while, and theorists have been toying with different ideas about what they might be made of and how they may have affected the universe's early evolution over time. According to work done by Fries, dark matter might have powered the universe's very first stars, though they're very different than the stars of today. She started thinking about what would happen if a big mass of regular matter started collapsing into a star in the middle of a dense cloud of dark matter, the kind that probably existed when the universe was only 200 million years old. If the cloud of gas is collapsing uh, in the middle of a giant blob of dark matter, it's called, we call them dark matter halos, then the, this collapsing cloud pulls in more and more dark matter, because the cloud is at the center of this dark matter halo, and eventually the, collapsing, the, the cloud stops collapsing because you have this power source, this heat, that prevents it from collapsing anymore. This is how regular stars like our sun form. Hydrogen gas collapses down until it's dense enough to undergo fusion and starts to burn really hot. But what was happening in the early universe was different. These objects have no fusion going on there, so it's not like the sun at all. There's no hydrogen burning. They're not hot in the center. Instead, dark stars are powered by a peculiar characteristic of these dark matter wimps. They're their own antiparticles. That means when they encounter one another, they annihilate. This annihilation emits all kinds of radiation, but relatively little heat, at least compared to fusion. 
they have dark matter throughout the star, and the dark matter annihilation is going, out through, going on throughout the star. So it's a heat source, not just in the center, but everywhere. And it's, it's not some centralized hot thing with, with fusion going on in the middle. It's a much more diffuse, cool object. This dark matter annihilation can power these very first stars. And we called the new objects that we, I guess you could say we invented them, we, we called these objects dark stars. And a star powered by dark matter is also way more efficient than a regular star. Nuclear fusion takes about a, it takes a fraction of a percent of the mass of a nucleus and turns it into heat. And when you have dark matter annihilation, you're turning the entire dark matter particle, the mass of the dark matter particle, into heat. It's super efficient. It's actually really surprising how little dark matter is needed to power one of these dark stars. They're, They're made almost entirely of hydrogen and helium from the Big Bang. The amount of dark matter in there is just tiny. It's a speckle. It's really not much. In, in fact, it's less than a tenth of a percent of the star is made of dark matter. But dark matter is a very powerful heat source, so we call this the power of darkness. They also get big, really big. They start out about as massive as the sun, but they keep accumulating more and more and more and more mass. And they can grow to a million times the mass of the sun and a billion times the brightness of the sun. This right here? This may be the key to solving the mystery of what makes supermassive black holes so mind-bendingly big. At the center of every galaxy, there's a giant black hole. So at the center of the Milky Way, there's a black hole that weighs 4 million times as much as the sun. And other galaxies have even bigger black holes in there. In fact, recently it was discovered there are some galaxies that are 14% of the mass of the galaxy is a giant black hole. It's huge. Not only that, but very early on, um, when the universe was still really pretty young, they found billion solar mass black holes, black holes that weigh a billion times as much as the sun, and nobody knows how to make those. Well, not quite nobody. Catherine thinks that the answer lies at what happens to her dark stars at the end of their lives. Eventually, they'll eat all the dark matter fuel in their vicinity, and then they will become more condensed. They will probably get a brief period of fusion going in the core, not very long, and they will collapse to black holes. So now let's say you've got a a black hole that's a million times as massive as the sun. Well, that's a very good seed to build the bigger ones. And without the supermassive stars that we are predicting, nobody has seeds that big, and nobody has a good way of making these giant black holes. The black holes are still around, but the dark stars are likely all gone. So seeing one will be tough. But there is hope, because the farther out you look into space, the farther back in time you see. And if you have a telescope powerful enough, it just might be possible to see something that hasn't existed in billions of years. So they don't exist today, at least I don't think so. But the next, the James Webb Space Telescope, which is the sequel to the Hubble Space Telescope, would be able to see them because this is a telescope that will go out farther in space and farther back in time, and I'm really hoping that they find our dark stars. The James Webb is scheduled to launch sometime in 2018. In the meantime, Freeze is working on further refining her models and exploring more characteristics of these dark stars. Her book, again, is The Cosmic Cocktail, Three Parts Dark Matter. And there's so much more in it about the twisting story of dark matter and also dark energy, I really was barely able to scratch the surface here. That's all for this week's Physics Central podcast. You can find more of our podcasts, blog posts, resources, and so much more at www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 